Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard, and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. I'm riding solo today. After the rep round, Lewis here, fifth and last NRL podcast. Unfortunately, uh, due to some work restrictions and some family stuff obviously going on, uh, Brock isn't able to join me tonight, but he'll definitely be back next week, so a bit of a different format this week. Uh, I'm going to do a very quick set of six on my own, obviously a bit different uh, discussing the issues without Brock. And I know the main thing, everybody out there, fan questions and the big issue, uh, obviously cocaine, player behaviour, punishments, etc. I'm going to go through all that, but next week more in particular, probably at the start of the show when there's the both of us. Um, We'll go through that a bit more, but I'm happy to answer all the fan questions I've got out there. Uh, No power rankings. Obviously, we're coming off a non-club round, so no need to do those. But kicking things off, set of six, my tackle one, Origin. The Queensland side, uh, and this is my opinion only, but whether you agree or not, I'm not sure, but no Greg Inglis, no Matt Scott, uh, you've obviously got Jonathan Thurston, who is now missing as well. Uh, you know, if you take some of these key players out, I know their back line's pretty solid, but you're looking at players in the halves. Who do you bring in? Daly, Cherry Evans. He hasn't mixed well before with the Cooper Cronk. Uh, he wants to float around. He wants to control things, run his own race. Do they want to put Milford in? Honestly, I don't think he's ready. I think the most suited candidate to take that spot, if anyone, is not Michael Morgan because he's been on the bench because he's in terrible form. It's Corey Norman, whether they do that or not. I'm not sure, but that's the way I'd be going. And then forwards uh, are another area that you've got to look at. There's a couple of guys that are obviously going to have to come in. Parker is retired as well, so he's going to need to be replaced. But uh, from my opinion, with those couple of injuries and a bit of a turnover, I think if there's ever a time that New South Wales are going to win besides the other series where Jared Hayne was just incredible and they were missing Cooper Cronk because he broke his arm early on in game one, this is the series to pick. But the question is, does Laurie Daly pick the right team. And uh, I think we all can understand or find the frustrations. Anyone out there is a New South Wales fan, and I'm sure Queensland fans would celebrate the fact that nine times out of ten, we don't pick the right team. But this time around, I think form uh, speaks louder than anything for some of our players. And uh, I think it's it's clear this time the direction we have to go as a New South Wales side. But um, Queensland, and just touching on Origin Tackle 1, I think if we're ever going to beat them, the time is now with those injuries and some other players that are out of form that are probably going to be considered. So dangerous times for Queensland this year. Massive year for New South Wales and Laurie Daly's coaching uh, career, obviously, with New South Wales. Tackle two, the cocaine issue. Uh, I know there's a lot of opinions out there, and again, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time this week. I know it is the big issue, but uh, on my own, I'd rather bounce back and forth a bit with Brock and go into more depth about 
um, the players, club culture, how things work, the young guys. Um, but very disappointing weekend for the game uh, to have all these occurrences on a break week. Being someone who's been in one of these systems, if any time not to do this, and I don't encourage it, and I've never done it myself, is break weeks. Because anyone knows at clubs, break weeks, it's time to let your hair down. People go home. Guys aren't involved in these things. It's one of the rare times in the year where they get to go out or have a bit of free time. It is also the most likely time that you will be tested or have a random test or find yourself in trouble. But even more surprising, these guys obviously weren't tested in-house or by Asada. They were just busted out in public, plain and simple. Um, with the substance, are obviously in that's in the case of Sean Kenny Dow, um, and then you've obviously got the CEO Damon Keogh, which again proves my point, and a lot of people's points, which again I'll probably rather talk about more next week. That it is a societal issue, unfortunately, um, and it is very prevalent. I don't know how many people on here listen to us that are of a younger generation. I'm sure some of the older people, and I understand parents and all different perspectives, but let me tell you, it is a lot more rife in society than what you think, and it's not just in the age bracket that I'm in. I'm in my mid twenties. Uh, Brooks, close to the 30, but I'm sure even a lot of older people and in all levels of society, it is a lot more rife than what people would expect if uh, you think this is quite surprising. I'm not defending it, and I can't defend it, but um, overall, back to the summary and the root of everything, just stupidity. Don't do this stuff full stop when you're in this position and you put your NRL contract in jeopardy, but especially on a break weekend where you are more than likely to be tested or find yourself in trouble, but then in public to be done with it, so... Sean Kenny Dow, uh, I think this will be the end of his career in the NRL. He might find a deal in the Super League, but the Newcastle deal, four years, uh, from all my knowledge, has been pulled from the table. Jesse Bromwich, Kevin Proctor, no Melbourne bias here, but completely out of character for all you here, seeing what's happened uh, over their careers. Um, Kevin Proctor, disappointing. He's been stood down and may face further action. Melbourne and uh, obviously standing down Jesse Bromwich, two games. He's out of the leadership group. He's lost. The, he's going to resign from the captaincy of New Zealand, and they've both lost their spot in the World Cup and potentially two hundred forty thousand uh, dollars in match payments. But more than anything, they've both lost a lot of credibility and will be tested and treated, uh, you know, as blokes who have used been or used substances, illicit substances, for the rest of their careers and have a bit of a mark there. So they have a lot of work to do to make it up. But very surprised, particularly on those two, Damien Keogh. I don't know what to make of this situation. Obviously, he's only stood down. He hasn't resigned. Most people thought he'd resigned. Uh, what's going to happen there, I'm not sure. But if he's been busted with it, whether he's taken it, um, you'd have to think that, obviously, if he's found guilty and that's likely to happen, but we can't presume that until he's gone to court and had his day, that that will be the end of his stint on the board there and disappointing if you ask any of the players who are there. He's done a fantastic job since he's came in. But, obviously, uh, this kind of actions are unacceptable. And last night, for most that didn't hear, an under-20s player, uh, from the Sharks, was also busted in possession. And uh, I didn't read a whole lot more today into that situation, but I'm not trying to go off the beaten track here, but more worried for the young bloke's welfare, seeing it was described that he has a seizing-ending ACL injury. I think he's in his last year of 20s, and he was caught in this situation. So mentally right now, probably not in a good place. He's not playing footy, and uh, his career might be in limbo, but this may be the final nail in the coffin. So the cocaine issue and drugs in the sport, there's enough education no one can use that excuse. The NRL does plenty. Just don't be stupid enough to put your career at risk and put that mark on yourself. It's as simple as that. Tackle three. New Zealand World Cup. Are they a genuine contender after now finding themselves uh, not having Bromwich and obviously Kevin Proctor as part of the squad? Well, the way they're playing and their current 
record under coach David Kidwell, who doesn't seem to be getting a whole lot of uh, you know pull with his side or direction with the way things are going. Um, then hearing comments that Jason Tamalo is supporting the fact they get Green in and saying he's great with attack and all these bits and pieces seem to say that the players don't have a whole lot of confidence in Kidwell's ability. So take Bromwich and Proctor out as well. I know they're probably going to get Tohu Harris back. Um, does Jared Warrior Hargraves get consideration now? Regardless of form, what's happened in the past, he still can't seem to find his way back in. But I think their World Cup campaign is highly in doubt. And the coaching situation, I think they need to go a similar route to what they did last time. They got Bennett involved with Kearney. I'd be throwing money at Craig Bellamy. And again, may seem a bit of a Melbourne bias to anybody out there, but a one-off stint to get things right, heading into this and take things the right direction. I think most people would agree, especially the Kiwi fans out there, that Kibble is probably not the one to get the job done. Is this a temporary solution? Yeah, it is. But for a tournament of this magnitude, that side and what they've been doing uh, under David Kidwell, I think drastic measures need to be taken if they want to be serious. So uh, I'd be looking for a gun coach like that to come in for a one-off stint and try and push my team in the right direction. Tackle four, international football. Uh, We spoke about it last week, and obviously the rep round, we're not big fans, but we are advocates for the game, and we do want to see it grow. But I will give a thumbs up to the football we saw over the weekend. I thought the Australia-New Zealand game was the exception, obviously hoping to see a bit more of a contest, but that wasn't to be the case. But uh, all the other games, fantastic. I thoroughly enjoyed Cook Islands and Papua New Guinea, uh, Tonga and Fiji obviously went right down to the wire, and then England just strangling Samoa, who tried their hearts out, but obviously a bit loose and a couple of passes and just the Wayne Bennett set up and how clinical England were. Um, I have to give a round of applause to the international games we saw over the weekend. So, um, yeah, what we said about the rep round, I stick by. I don't like it interrupting the season, but international football, we do need to help it. We do want to see it grow, but I'd rather see internationals left until season's end. Tackle five. Just a bit of a side note is two careers at one point that were so promising and were dazzled and had all rep expectations and to be some of the best players in the game, Jamal Idris and Tony Williams, and now both looking like they may be over. Tony Williams suffering an ACL injury over the weekend, uh, playing for Tonga and possibly the end of his career, and then today coming out that Jamal Idris is going to be missing for the rest of the season as well. Um, A young man who had outstanding potential, power, speed at the Bulldogs, fell off the beaten path with the Titans there and then at the Panthers, quitting, disappearing, and now coming back. Got an Australian jersey, played for New South Wales, all the potential in the world, and uh, it all seems to have somewhat gone to waste, and what a pity that is. And Tony Williams, much the same, through the 20s as a winger, an absolute monster, power, speed, all the things you could possibly want, makes the move to Manly, transitions to a premiership-winning backer, has one absolutely outstanding year where he struck the fear of God into everybody in 2011, then signs a big contract with the Bulldogs and is never to be seen again. And this year, I do the New South Wales Cup to see him in a Newtown Jets jersey and to think the fall from grace and all that potential that was there to be such an outstanding player. Um, two possibly great potential careers and super talents gone. So just sad to see that talent go by the wayside. Tackle six in the final tackle and my thoughts. Kieran Foran now gone. Confirmed today that he will be leaving. He didn't say the Bulldogs, but it's more than pretty much sewed up, like we said before, that that is where he'll be going. What does that mean for the Warriors? If Lola here is not in their thoughts and they're going to let him go to the Cowboys and the Tigers, who's the next half? Who do you buy? There's basically nobody left on the market. They've secured Johnson. 
Tyrant Roberts and a few other guys are there, but they're not anyone they really want to make a play for. Hingano, I've got wraps on, but his first stint in first grade wasn't that great. He needs to get physically better and especially defensively and with his game management. So the hole's there again. And I know the fans are out there angry, but they knew they were only getting him for one year. They basically offered the help in the situation, and Kieran made it known that he was basically only going to stay for 12 months. But I think this is massive now, and there's a hole that's going to be left. Because if Lola here is not the man and Hingano is going to develop, that's going to hinder them. And Mason Lino, who's another option who's been there for a few years, why Solid is not exactly an outstanding first grader or going to set the world alight. So uh, I think the Warriors are back to square one as far as finding a partner for Sean Johnson moving forward. But that's my six thoughts. Uh, no power rankings, like I said, this week, but fan questions. I'm going to try and get through these on my own and do the best I can. Sorry if I get a bit repetitive with my voice. Uh, obviously not having Brock here makes things a bit different. But first one up, Lucas. He's asking now that Foreign is going back to Sydney, who should the Warriors look to sign in the forwards? And is James Graham an option? Well, of course he's an option, and it would be a fantastic one again to bring a different edge and somebody into that culture who knows how to win, knows how to train, and how to bring things together. But looking at the market and what's available for them uh, in terms of this year, there's a couple of guys, and all the ones I like are actually all Kiwi players, but we've seen the kind of pattern that when blokes go back there, it doesn't seem to quite work out. And The three names I have were Adam Blair, who I, I wouldn't buy and wouldn't bring over, Russell Packer, who's already been there and obviously had those circumstances, so it's highly unlikely he's going to return, and the Tigers are in for a big offer, and Nelson Osofa Solomona from Melbourne, who they made a huge offer for, and his manager and obviously the club at Melbourne guided him into taking less, staying in that system and developing, which is a smart idea. So anyone I would buy, I don't think they're going to get. Uh, obviously, Tohu Harris going there is going to be a big move, but then Madalino and Ryan Hoffman are both on the way out. And Lilliman's off contract. And you look who's there already. Uh, Sam Lasone, Albert Vette, Bunty Afoa, Isaiah Papali. There's lots of young guys, but what's the future moving forward? We're worried about the halves position. Well, you've got to look at the forward pack as well and say who's going to lead for that side next year and take them uh, into that next generation. And all these young guys are going to have to step up and get more consistent, and uh, they're going to need more from what's there. And Bodine Thompson's also off contract, so a lot of questions, mate, when you ask about James Graham being a target. He's won, but they've also got to lock up who they've got and uh, obviously look forward uh, to next year and who's going to be on the market. So interesting times for that forward pack. Uh, Dubstan, are captain's challenges being used in lower grades, and is there any chance they'll come to first grade? Well, they're being used in the 20s, I do like them. Can they be used in first grade? Well, you'd like to think that at some stage they might get introduced maybe in games at the end of the year. If there's some teams uh, that are obviously not in finals contention, I'm pretty sure they did that last year in a Dragons-Knights game or maybe the year before. Could it be used? I think it's an idea, but whether they go that way, I'm not too sure. But that has been floated before. Cody, what are the real risks of potassium benzo-8? Hashtag Froget. Simpsons reference there, mate. Like that one. And I have no idea what the real risks of potassium benzoate are for any Simpsons fans out there, but I know that that's a bad thing. Sam Taylor. Are the NRL complacent over drug use by the athletes? Should the comp be shortened so that we can have a round robin? Well, I don't think they're complacent, mate. I can tell you again, under 20s, uh, plenty of education. Everyone knows you're not supposed to do it, but it's more a culture thing in young people these days, unfortunately. And uh, I'm part of that generation. I don't do them myself. I don't like it, but there's a massive drugs culture. It's readily available. Um, it's cheap in some places. And for some reason, it's just a thing that's crept in society. It's, it's everywhere. Older, younger, pubs, clubs, you name it. You can't go anywhere without seeing uh, drugs somewhat involved. And it's, it's quite sad. But the NRL, they couldn't do any more. There's plenty of education. There's all the notice. Everyone knows that there's testing by SADA. 
We used to get tested in-house at Canberra as well. Um, if you roll the dice, your career is on the line. It's simple as that. And the NRL are not to blame for this situation. It's the players and whether they care enough about their careers. And if one weekend off you can't control yourself and feel like you have to have something like that to have a good time, well, unfortunately, you're going to lose your job and uh, you know leave that mark on yourself that might cost yourself uh, dollars going forward and opportunities in the game of rugby league. And as far as round robins, I don't think there's any round robin. And if you're going to shorten the comp, I think there's only one reason for that. That's that everybody was to play each other twice, but that's too hard at the moment because there'd be extra rounds because there's too many teams. Uh, and the only way I'd shorten things or have weekends off is for standalone origin, but we obviously haven't made it to that point just yet. Butsy, why are players more willing to go to the Tigers than the Knights? Well, uh, if I was going to answer that one, I think it's as simple as Ivan Cleary, and that's nothing against Nathan Brown because I think he's fantastic, but Ivan Cleary, look what he'd done at the Warriors. Look what he'd done at Penrith. Um, he's got reputations. He's got connections. Nathan Brown's time in the NRL was obviously at the Dragons. It was a short stint. There's not many players left over from his time there. Uh, he spent some time in the Super League, which is why my next point, I'm more surprised that he hasn't delved into some of the talent there. We've obviously seen Ricky Stewart bring a couple over without a great deal of knowledge about the Super League, but Nathan Brown was a very good coach over there. Developed Huddersfield into a top four side or more of a contender, has seen the talent that is there, would have a much better idea of guys that could make it in the NRL and could get them at decent prices to potentially help his squad. I'm not suggesting he goes mad and signs eight of them, but I'm sure there's three or four that he knows are good players that he could potentially get at a younger age that are willing to come here. Um, but yeah, in the simple side of things, Tigers are in a much better position than Newcastle, whether everyone agrees or not. They're not doing a full rebuild. They're doing a bit of a knockdown rebuild to their top 25, but there's a lot more things in place for them at this point in time and a coach and Ivan Cleary with a great reputation. So that's why they go there. The Buckster. What do you make of the punishments hand down the players? Are drug charges? Seems like a different standard's going on at different clubs. Well, you're right. Uh, different clubs handle things much differently. The Roosters obviously didn't have much to say until a couple of days later, and now they've stood down Sean Kinney down definitely. Melbourne were pretty productive straight on the front foot. Jesse Bromwich owned up to it. Uh, Kevin Proctor had the read-out statement, and now they're saying they haven't quite made a decision. Should there be a blanket thing across all? Possibly, but there's also different ramifications that people got to think, uh, take into account here that they were caught by the police, not by ASADA or not by in-house testing, because if they're there, then you can potentially get that two-year ban if it's ASADA that catches you. But the fact that it's happened outside, they just get a strike on the three-strike uh, three policy, which I'm not a big fan of. To be honest, I think they should have one chance maximum, and then after that... If you get done again, your career is over. But we've seen what happens there. And obviously in the AFL, they've got that system as well. And I'm not a big fan of the three-strike policy at all. So um, I think we need to draw a line in the sand. You get one chance. And if you break trust a second time, well, then guess what? Game over. No more NRL. Chris Cohen. Uh, the new signing, Alex Twal. Have you seen him much and how does he go? Well, mate, he was the under-20s captain for the Parramatta Eels for the last couple of years, young front rower, junior kangaroo and junior blue. Uh, first year New South Wales Cup, obviously played some there. Promising front rower, hard worker, just a bit of a grinder. Picked him up for a couple of years. I'm pretty sure they wouldn't be paying him much. So a bit of a development project, but uh, a solid all-around player. So not a bad one there. Moving through, got some comments about the old potassium benzo eight there, thanks to Cody. So a couple of people enjoying that one. Arthur, old Artie on Twitter, last year that we said Mary McGregor was a bad coach. Do you think he's getting better? And Do you think the Saints should resign him beyond this year? Well, at the time, he was a bad coach because he was being stubborn. He had Jason Demetrio there who he brought back down 
uh, brought down from the North Queensland Cowboys, who'd obviously done great things and won with the Queensland Cup side out there, won the state title, helped first grade, helped with their attack, had massive wraps on him, and he didn't let him come near the attack. So last year, you know, Mary just trying to have his finger in every pie and not let his assistants help him, been a bit stubborn to his own game plan, but he has got better, 100% he's got better. He's accepted the fact that that style doesn't work. He's coaching to the way that his squad is built and the best way that they should play, which is what any coach should do. You should adapt to the players and play the style that suits, which is a big power game, pushing up off offloads. They've got strong outside backs who do good yardage work, and there's less responsibility on their halves and their fullback at nine to create a whole lot. They just push up off the back of it when they have momentum. They take the line on, they try to attack. So um, I think they should re-sign him because the question is, who else is there out there? The only other guys on the market who I'd have any interest in, one is Demetrio, who was there. He obviously moved on and is at the Broncos now. Um, so he's probably my next man off if I was going to find somebody out there in the world now that Ivan Cleary's off the market, Jason Demetrio, and Matt Head, who's done a hell of an apprenticeship, and he's at the Dragons. But I think Mary showed. Um, he's learned from his mistakes. He's made changes. He's adapted to that squad, and uh, they like him. All the boys like him down there. So you definitely have to keep Mary on board, I think, at the Dragons beyond this season. So, um, yeah, time to re-sign him. What's going on in the hold-up? I don't know if that's got something to do with butting heads with the club, potentially with the Josh Dugan situation, because we all know they keep saying he's not worth this much. This is the position he should be playing, but Mary McGregor keeps saying that as long as he's there and he's coaching, that his fullback will be Josh Dugan. So some things need to be sorted there, obviously, between the club and Mary McGregor. But only time will tell if that is the situation. But moving on to the rest of the questions we've got on Facebook. Just when the computer loads up here and wants to actually work for me. Lucas Taylor. How do we as fans take the NRL seriously as an organisation when there is not consistency from the top down, i.e. third-party BS, schedule, bunker, Punishment, breaches of contracts. He loves the game, but all the BS is based on dollars and it ruins it. Is there going to be a change or are we heading more to an American-based sports style where this is the behaviour towards fans and it's normalised? Well, mate, third parties, out of all the things you've just mentioned, not so much the bunker, like that's human error. You're never going to get that completely right. The schedule next year we get control of. Uh, we take it back, so that's going to be a good thing and things will hopefully change there as far as the bias and that. Um, punishment and breaches of contract, punishments across the board come down to clubs and that comes down to poor administration from the NRL who need to intervene if they feel that clubs aren't being strong enough with all those things. But the third parties is the big one that you've highlighted that I think is BS. And I don't like to attack clubs and we never like to and we say it, but there's a few clubs that have an exceptionally different playing field and the Roosters, the Bulldogs, the Broncos in particular, they are playing in a different ballpark as far as money is concerned to a couple of these clubs and there's no way to hide it. And I think that's the big one that's frustrating for the fans out there because Newcastle, for example, who are doing their best, they're battling away, they're trying to build a side, they're trying to attract players. They have to pay top dollar, say, for a Jack Bird and they were willing to offer him 900000 and it probably most of it would have come off the cap. But a team like Brisbane, who's obviously got great third-party support, can come in, offer less uh, to somebody like Jack Bird and hide some of that money so they can offer... Basically the same amount, if not more, nine hundred or a million dollars, but they can stash two, three hundred off the salary cap and instead only put seven hundred on. So it's just not an even playing field. And Canberra a few years ago with Milford, same deal. 
they ponied up all the dollars before in that strong position to get him, offered him close to 900000 in a car, and he left for Brisbane for half the money on the cap that we know of, but there was probably more off the salary cap. So them, uh, the Roosters have done it before, stashing some blokes and be able to get some money. Dogs are very, very strong financially off the field and connections. I think the big thing is we need to see third parties, uh, you know, basically put out in public or we need to know what clubs have got what and know what they're working with or scrap third parties altogether and just make it open solo from top flight sponsors. Um, The only other way around that is probably a marquee system where every team has two marquees where they can pay whatever they want and it gives them more of a chance to hold on uh, to their best talents. But there's no real good way to manage it, unfortunately. Phil Tasker, can you bullshit me a little and tell me the Knights will lean one signature before 2020? Uh, mate, I feel your pain. I think all everyone here and everyone out there who are Newcastle fans feels your pain. But let me tell you the same thing that Nathan Brown said on the weekend. I know it's frustrating, but you can't just sign players for the sake of it. Uh, I hear a lot of people banging on the drum saying he's going to get sacked soon, but it's not right. He's doing the right thing. Uh, I think your 16s team was in a grand final on the weekend and won. They were very good in the 18s and the 16s again last year. They pushed guys through their 20s in the New South Wales Cup at a young age. You've got a very young first grade side with some great young players. And, uh, obviously, Callum Pollan coming along next year. It's only going to take one, and the roll-on effect's going to start. But what you don't want is, like, we're going to get the other day of Sean Kinney down. I think you've dodged a bullet. You're going to pay somebody who's an international from a big club, sure, but is not going to fix the problem. And it's someone on your salary cap for three or four years that you don't really want because in 12 months' time, it's going to be a regret buy, and you're going to want to get rid of him just like they did when Wayne Bennett came through. Obviously, his situation was they wanted comp. They handed him full control. He did some poor deals, set them up financially to fail long-term because they were trying to get a comp and it's backfired. But Nathan Brown's done so much dirty work and hard work that I think they're two years ahead of schedule. With the plays he's cleared out in the salary cap position, he's put them in and there's still some work to do, but he's doing a fantastic job. And I know you want to see some signings and they're trying really, really hard, but let me tell you, he's doing a fantastic job. I hear the West Group's about to take over. They love him. They're going to back him and he needs that support because there's still a couple more years of hard work to do. But you wait. Once they get on a roll and these young guys are there and they get one or two big players, I think the roll-on effect's going to be amazing. And James Graham, as everyone's been talking about, I think it's a fantastic person to want to bring into the club to help out those young players, to help build culture, and one or two others will follow. But I'm sure next year they'll be very, very strong in the player market again. William Robinson, are the Cowboys gone without Thurston? Well, I think it's already shown that they're struggling without Scott because they don't have a one-two punch and Tamalolo's taking that first carry, which takes a bit of sting out of him. But without Thurston, you're losing potentially the best player in the game or the best, definitely the best half in the game. He plays both sides of the field. He has the ball on a string, great kicking game, game management, completely runs that side. And you watched him the other week without all their other spine players, but in particular Thurston, they're rudderless. So if he's going to miss, you know, eight to 12 weeks, which is potentially what's going to happen, you're going to have to think it's going to be very, very hard for them to steer the ship and still have players in origin uh, to keep winning games. So, yeah, mate, I think if if this injury is six weeks or more, I think their season is in big jeopardy, that's for sure. Me Hall, would you rank England above the Kiwis based on the performances at the weekend? Kiwis near full strength and terrible. England look good and without their starting halves. Well, mate, I will, and that's why I had it in the set of six at the start. I think uh, the coaching, obviously, Wayne Bennett, they were pretty clinical, they're solid, their game plan's pretty safe, and there was players missing, like you said, George Williams, Gareth Woodup, probably the first choice halves. Now uh, They've got two great hookers, both former Man of Steel, so their version of Dallium. Daryl Clark, a great runner, Denny Houghton, tough bugger. Uh, Alex Wamsley, one of their great front rowers, he wasn't here. Liam Farrell, 
they picked Heinington and McQueen instead of them. And uh, there's obviously Sneed as well, another half, and Luke Gale's good on the weekend. They're going to bring out a pretty solid squad, and I think they're more likely to play us in the World Cup final than the Kiwis at this point, especially now that Bromwich and Proctor are no longer going to be part of the campaign for the World Cup. Greg Milburn, surely that is the last standalone rep round. Poor games, players on the lose, free hit for A-League Grand Final. Well, I think the rep round, we've already said it last week, we're not a big fans. We don't like interrupting the comp. If anything, it's going to be standalone. I want it to be the origin in international football. I want to see it grow, but I want to see it played at the back end of the year, not interrupting the season. And the clubs will agree because at the end of the day, they pay the wages. They give the players out for free. I know some of the bigger nations make money. Um, but realistically, it's loaning out all your talent, all the people you pay and praying to God they don't get injured. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure most clubs would like to see the back of it. Terry Spear, how much does Paul Green love for ground? Well, definitely not now, and I think he'd be pissed that uh, Jonathan Thurston, regardless of his status, didn't play for them for four weeks, barely pushed through on his calf injury and plays for Australia, obviously. And you can't knock him because he's, he's champion. He's done his time. He's a superstar. But to see him get hurt first game back and now potentially be missing him for... Four to 12 weeks, possibly the season. Uh, the Cowboys' season's just hit rock bottom if Thurston is going to be out for a long period of time. So he definitely doesn't like it. David Haskew, five clubs in five years for $5 million. Is it a possibility for Kieran Foran? Well, he's been to Manly, he's been to Paris, he's been to the Warriors, and next year the Dogs. Uh, let's hope that that's not the case and that he's got himself sorted off the field and we don't see any more of these issues or occurrences, but... Uh, he's been pretty good on the field since he's got back. Hopefully off-field sorted and um, the Warriors should be given plenty of credit for taking him on for a year, knowing his circumstances, knowing he wasn't going to be there and helping him mentally. And hopefully once he gets back with his family and back in Sydney next year, things are sorted and we don't see him go off the rails again. Adam Jones, Cameron Patmore, cocaine. Always NRL so soft on cocaine use as well. I think the administration can come in here and probably make a better and bigger impact uh, than what some of the clubs have. I think, like I said, Melbourne's handled things and Jesse Bromwich has been punished and they've lost their New Zealand rights and whatnot. But I think the difference is, and I explained this before, whether right or wrong, uh, if busted in-house testing or by Asara, they would be facing a ban. But caught outside or caught by the police in this situation, they're kind of lucky that they're in the situation they're only going to get a strike. I don't like the the three-strike policy. I've said it before and anyone who's listened previously... I'm not a big fan of the NRL, and I'm not a big fan of it because it's the AFL as well, and I don't think you should get three chances to take illicit substances, and players are willing to roll the dice because they know they've got two chances before they get in trouble. Second time, you get a 12-week ban, may lose 10%, 15% of your contract and get tested all the time, but once you know you're on your last chance, uh, it's kind of easy, and if you're a bigger talent, you're less likely to be terminated, even though I know it happened to Ben Barber, but um, I think at the moment there's too much leeway, and you should have one chance, and that's it. So if you get busted... One chance, suspended, lose your money, and the next time you get done for it, that's it. That's game over. You're out. Uh, maybe a year ban, and then you have to come back, and obviously you're going to miss out on financial benefits. But um, the NRL needs to show stronger administration and put some guidelines in place, and I think the three-strike policy needs to be reviewed. Adam Bain, what do you think about Rabs signing on? Personally, I don't know how anyone listens to Fox half the time. Alexander, Blocker, the Kiwi bloke, terrible. Well, I agree, but I also think it's the dosage. Um, Obviously, Fox doing all eight games have to have a lot of people to cover it. I agree, and a lot of people in particular with Blocker. They're not a fan. Um, I like Warren Smith and Alexander, but Brett and Speed, the new AFL guy, a few of them I'm not really big fans of, but they've got a lot more content to cover. Rabs for five more years. I think he's an icon to the game, even though I don't watch Channel 9. I love him during Origin. 
I've loved him during his career, and the longer somebody like him stays around, much like Richie Benno, uh, I think they're better for the game because he's an out-and-out legend and there's never going to be another Rab. So uh, the longer he's around, the better. Chris Vanderley. Let's face it, the NRL is going down the shitter and is fully, uh, quick, falling quickly behind the AA League and the AFL. What needs to happen to fix it? Well, mate, I think as far as TV, dollars and all these bits and pieces, and if you want to get into the financials, TV audiences, uh, three of the top five rating programs on TV during the year are Rugby League. The AA League doesn't rate very well. The AFL is pretty strong. Obviously, they've got more clubs, so they get more dollars. But all those sides of things, I think, are probably bigger. Um, I know the crowds are fantastic for the A-League, but uh, a lot of the clubs don't break even. I know some of the NRL clubs don't either. But I think the big thing, and what I do agree with you on, is that compared to the AFL and the NRL going down the shitter, I think the big thing they have over us is administration. That's the one thing I will agree. I don't think the NRL is going down the shitter, but compared to the A-League and the AFL, the way our game is administrated uh, is light years behind. And those two do a fantastic job. Uh, I will say for one thing, though, I'm... The AFL had the same drug policy as us, the strike policy, so I don't agree on their drug side of things either. But as far as their actions off the field in the A-League and the way things are administered and handled, I think the NRL could definitely step things up. And Todd Greenberg, he does a great job of being reactionary at the moment when something occurs, but as far as his actions after the fact, um, since he's gotten to the game, I've been quite disappointed with some of the moves he's made and what he's actually done for some of the talks. So um, I'll agree with you maybe on the administration side, that the NRL is well behind, but in a lot of the other facets in the financials, the TV numbers, all the bits and pieces, uh, I, I don't agree. But cheers for the question, champion, and uh, you raised some good points. Nigel Huntley, do you think the city-country format could actually exist, maybe grand final weekend, the day before the GF as an exhibition game, consisting of players that aren't playing in the grand final? Well, again, uh, it's much better off being played at the back end of the season from guys that are out and compiling them and having a look at them there, I have no problem with that. And if you want to take it to the country, you know, maybe the week after before guys get surgery and all these bits and pieces, no different to the internationals being at the end of the year. But the number one product is the NRL. That's what all the money is for. That's what the TV dollars are for. The mid-year slump because of origin, I'd rather that be the only time that anything's interrupted if it has to be because I don't want to see the standard of the competition drop like it does every year. And adding these extra games in, all the stuff at the start of the year, the nines, there's too much going on. There's too much risk of injury. Like, look at this year, some of the players we've got missing. It's There's way too much going on. So any of that kind of rep football, I'd much rather that it's played at the end of the season besides Origin because of the pulling power it has. And just everybody loves it. We all know that Origin's the one thing we definitely can't get rid of. It is the absolute jewel in the crown. It is the best of the best. Um, I enjoy it a lot more than international football, and it's always a lot more competitive, even though Queensland won so many, but... I think international football, city, country, all these things have a place, but maybe at the back end of the season is a much better way to handle it before players go off and get their off-season surgeries and do their holidays and bits and pieces. Jason King. What compensation does a club get when their players play rep football? And if their player gets hurt, do they get compensated? Well, that's half the issue, mate. We spoke about it before. Players don't get compensated. And the number one example of why people started pulling out the All-Star game and these things is... Kurt Gidley, when he was in his prime and the captain of Newcastle, their top-paid player, got taken out by Corey Patterson, who's you know a top-25 player, was in and out of the site at the time. And they go to the NRL and say, well, can we have him not count on our salary cap this year so we can go out and get somebody? And the NRL are basically saying, no, he's on your salary cap, he's injured now, too bad. So what's the advantage of giving your players to a game that, you know, they play for free, not for you and your club, and they're your employee, and then you've lost him for the whole season? So... 
They don't get any compensation. There's no relief there if you do lose players to rep football. The award only goes to the players who play for Australia, New Zealand and Origin in getting $20,000 match payments, superannuation payments and bits and pieces. Good for the players, but the clubs, every time the players walk out the door, obviously risk losing a player and they're not compensated if they get injured. Andrew Pointer. Thought on the three-strike rule. Is it enough to deter players from delving into the world of cocaine? Would you consider a one-strike policy too harsh? Um, if not, would you implement a mandatory suspension period if a player is caught? Well, I said it before, the three-strike policy, it's not just us, it's the AFL. I don't like it. I think at best you get one chance. So found with cocaine, 12-week suspension, docking of your pay, uh, you get tested all year round. Basically, for the rest of your career, you're stuck with that kind of tag and you'll always be tested. And then the next time you do it, you're out. Simple. You basically go missing for a year. You can come back after that, but you obviously hurt yourself financially and no one's going to be able to pick you up on big money. So I think you've got to put more onus on the player to be more responsible in this window and also be a role model to society. But the big thing is just pissing that opportunity out the wall. You get an opportunity to make top dollar, play rugby league for the stint while you can. And if you have one weekend off and you can't control yourself enough not to go out and do some illicit drugs... Well, you obviously don't deserve to be playing in the NRL. But, yeah, I think one strike, the 12-week ban, docking of the pay, constant testing, next time, out for 12 months. And then when you come back, obviously it's going to be at a reduced rate and most clubs are going to uh, try and take advantage. But, yeah, I think they need to get a bit harsher on uh, the use of drugs. <clears throat> Adam Goldman, why wasn't Tamo charged with a shoulder charge from City Country? No consistency at all. That being said, I'd prefer the rule to be a penalty on the field and only suspension if it connects with the head. Well, that's an area that I think no one's ever going to be satisfied champion. Some get picked up, some don't. We've seen difference in charges. And then when Sam Burgess went after seeing Tom Lowen, a few others get pinned, he got off. Um, I think this is just one of those grey areas again in our game that unfortunately we're uh, going to struggle to ever find a real consistency and get things sorted. But, yeah, I can't argue with that. We, we have seen some. We do see a fair mix of them. And, uh, yeah, it... It really is a roll of the dice, unfortunately, mate. So oh, I don't know what to tell you about that one, but the big one, again, you see a couple of guys get pinned and then next thing you know, uh, obviously we've had that situation where Sam Burgess got off and I think they've set themselves a bit of a standard for the rest of it they're going to have to live up to because blokes are going to go there and roll the dice more now with uh, the match review panel, given the circumstances. But that's all the fan questions for this week, so a big thank you to everyone out there for what you've sent in. Um, and uh, yeah, next week Brock will be back on board so you won't have to just listen to me rant, rave and gibber on but the last thing to do before we have Mr Gossip come on do the tips and get the odds thanks to WilliamHill.com is a quick review of the games from the weekend so starting off Junior Kangaroos 46-22 over the Junior Kiwis and if anyone saw this lineup, it was loaded with guys that have already played NRL or are part of top squads for the Australian side um, particularly the halves Brodie Croft from the Melbourne Storm as the captain Five try assists. Jai Field has played for the Dragons. He had a couple as well. Uh, Curtis Scott, Cameron Murray from South. So there were so many guys on that field. Uh, Tyron Roberts-Davis got a couple of tries. He's already played some first grade. Sam Stone from Newcastle. Uh, it was pretty lopsided, to be honest. And second half, they got some tries, but one of the Aussie boys got put in the sin bin. But um, there is some talent still on the New Zealand side. Greg Laceo from um, Parramatta. Potential to replace Rad Rara next year. Aaron Clark in the halves for the Warriors. Jerome Luai from Penrith. Patrick Herbert from the Dragons. Talakai obviously played some first grade for Souths. And Remus Smith, the son of Tyron, uh, there at the Bulldogs. But uh, all in all, a very, very strong junior kangaroo side. Ran right in particular those halves. And Dragons fans out there, you've got a good number nine 
Uh, Robson, I believe his name was. I can't remember the first name, but young Robson at nine there grabbed a double. Only a young fella, Reese Robson, I'm pretty sure it is. So keep your eye on him coming through the grades there at the Dragons. Gillaroos, 16 to 4 over the Kiwi Ferns. And obviously, don't get to see a lot of these games, but was very impressed. And uh, congratulations to the coach of the ladies' side, Brad Donald. Yeah, he was at Canberra when I was there, and he's obviously moved up. To the Gold Coast for a little bit, I'm sure, with junior development and the ARL, and now he's coaching the ladies' side. And what a great job they did, and what a physical game in particular. I tell you what, the standout, Ryan Sims, some of the hits she put on. Dear Lord, but uh, very impressive. They had a new pair. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does, they charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hobbs, Young Smith, and Tamara, they were very impressive and no Kezi Apps or Sam Bremner, probably their two best players, but uh, yeah, very impressive. And the late call-up for Isabel Kelly, the young girl who took Bremner's place, she scored an absolute cracker try. I don't know if anyone saw that and racked up 130 metres for the day, so good effort by the girls there and look forward to watching more of them. Really enjoy the games that are on during the Nines tournament, but um, the more steam they gather to kind of build up and hopefully have club teams one day and uh, get up to this high level and obviously the international game developing as well. Really looking forward to seeing more of Women's Rugby League as it develops in the future because uh, it's quite a joy to watch and I enjoyed that game. But the Anzac Test, 30-12, to 12, the Aussies over the New Zealand side. Let's be honest, it was one-sided. I was really hoping for a contest, but we didn't get it. They were two sideways. Um, every time they got down inside Australians 20, we saw the difference. Seven tackle sets, not building pressure. They didn't really change the point of the attack. It was very side-to-side, but... Australia on the opposite end. Anytime they got down there, getting dropouts, forcing repeats, finding ways to get points. And uh, anytime they're under pressure, they just folded. And on the flip side of that, you've got Matt Gillette, who made two or three absolute cracking try savers. And uh, the try that was set up between Kronk, Darius Boyd, and the overhead pass back to Jake Travojevic, just pushing up on the ball. All in all, they just out-enthused the Kiwis and outplayed them. And um, I would have thought that forward pack would be more competitive through the middle, but... That wasn't to be the case, and the only time they sort of looked dangerous again was when Foran played direct, and Sheck tried hard as well, but there's a lot of questions to ask for the World Cup. Uh, Bromwich now not a part of that side. Proctor neither. Harris will come back in, but another front rower and just the squad in general. I think there's some questions to be asked, and Dave Kidwell, is he the right man to coach that side? So full credit to Australia. I still think a few guys shouldn't have been there on form, in particular Morgan and Merrin, who were pretty absent the other night, but... I think World Cup, we're going to see some changes in players like Paul Vaughan, if he has a good year, will keep pushing. And you've obviously got Wade Graham, who's been in irresistible form and should have been in that side. And Yeah, I think we'll definitely see some of those guys come in for the World Cup. Cook Islands of Papua New Guinea, two developing uh, sides and quite enjoyable to watch. So the Cook Islands are pretty good and two real standouts were Charles Nickel Clogstad, if anyone watched him play for the Warriors the other week, real good talent, someone they have to make sure they hold on to, can play wing, Fullback, centre, 5'8", out of the Storm 20 system. Uh, he was the fullback of the year for the New South Wales Cup side last year in that competition. He's a really good player. And Isan Masters, young junior Kiwi back rower who played 20s at the Tigers, playing Cup now, playing in the centres. He was absolutely outstanding. But Papua New Guinea, 
the Queensland Cup side, the Hunters, it definitely shows that they're building. It's great for their development as a nation. Uh, the Boas brothers and the halves, and in particular the fullback, was great to watch. Stargroff, Amian, and they're just tough as nails. So I can understand why Petro Sivanasiva feels that Fiji should push in a New South Wales Cup and that'll help their development because I can certainly see uh, the growth and the learning that's happening with that Papua New Guinea side just being in that environment, training full-time. And uh, that was a really entertaining game. Tonga Fiji, another cracker. 26-24, Tonga stole that one late. Latu with a double. Um, the, the, the real difference here, there was a lot of errors and it was a pretty loose game of football, but plenty of physicality. I thought Moses Sula, the young bloke, was good. Latu, Hopwadi, obviously it's contract time, but good from the back. And Katawa from Penrith, very, very tough, but stole that game late. Full credit to Fiji, though, great effort. Kikau again from Penrith, showing his wares, very, very good. Uh, Daniel Safidi, outstanding. Ken Evans tried hard, and Kevin Aguama, that try assist where he knocked the ball back in field. But I think the real difference is the spine there. They didn't quite have the talent uh, that the Tongans had available. They had a couple of guys that played a bit of lower-grade football. But nevertheless, the pre-game rituals that you get to see there, the war dances, and obviously the singing from Fiji, absolutely outstanding. England, Samoa, expected a bit more from Samoa like most people did, but England just strangled the death out of them. The halves were fantastic. They didn't have Williams and Whittock. Um, so not even first choice, but Kevin Brown, Luke Gale, kicked him to death, controlled things. I thought James Graham, Sam Burgess really laid the platform and they're going to bring a pretty handy squad over at the end of the year. But Samoa, just some of those key things, they look like they're lacking a bit of direction. Uh, Anthony Milford, that was pretty much an origin audition and I don't know if he knocked it out of the park, but um, yeah, that and just some loose passes. Lay Lewis threw a couple on the ground or over the sideline, just little bits like that. But full credit has to go to England and uh, I thought Maguire was actually pretty good as well for the Samoan side. And the last one, City Country, the last one ever. was quite surprised that uh, the standard of the game was really, really good, but still disappointed to see that, uh, you know, some clubs pulled out for the last one. There was a couple of random guys in there. Paulie, Paulie, good to see him back from the hip, but straight into a rep game. And David Gower, who's barely played in early this year, Jake Marketo, etc. Full credit to him. They turned on an absolute cracker game. But, um, yeah, I don't think there was anything I really took out of this. Peachy, I thought, was good for City. Um, he could possibly take a utility spot if we decided that we wanted to have a utility. Gallon was very, very good, but I think his time's passed. Tamiya has been terrible for Penrith, but played well on the weekend. But I'm not blind, and I wouldn't put him back in the side. Townsend, very good, but I'm still not going to pick him. The repeat sets were good, but on the countryside, I thought DeBellin, Vaughan, these kind of guys, they definitely didn't hurt their chances. And McInnes and Cook were both solid. I think McInnes may have just got the cash. But City, I uh, didn't expect them to win that one, but they did, 20-10, to 10, so... That wraps up the reviews of the games from the weekend. I answered your questions to the best of my ability. Um, sorry if I didn't quite have the content. It's been a bit of a rough week. A fair bit of work with some work constraints and some family stuff going on. But we move on now to Mr. Gossip. We'll get all his dirt, his goss, and we'll give you the tips of the odds brought to you by WilliamHill.com. If you're going to have a bet on the NRL or any sport, make sure you do it with William Hill. And we are back, Mr. Gossip. Lewis riding solo this week. Shout out to Boxhead, wherever you are, mate. Thinking of you, but rep round, mate. <laughs> the tips, you've done it again. I don't know how you bastard, but you've got a perfect round again. I was adamant that country were going to win, and they didn't. They burnt me. Uh, me and Brock both got four. He tipped the Kiwis. I lost on country, but you just keep doing it somehow. I'm right. It's ridiculous. I, Brock's on 43. I'm on 45. You're on 50. Let's just hand the trophy over. Uh, nothing, nothing to do with skill there, mate. It's all luck. <laughs> I'm going to need to start drinking midweek. It's not working for yeah, that's me. That's all I 
I was a bit patchy, just uh, there's been some stuff going on with work and some family bits and pieces, but from the bits and pieces I saw, the, I'm with you, the Saturday triple header I really, really enjoyed, uh, the Cook Island game, even the first one with Papua New Guinea really enjoyed, the Fiji, Tonga, um, even the England game, Samoa disappointed me a little bit, purely because I thought that was uh, quite a handy side, but they, you know, they pushed the envelope a little bit and they made some errors, but I'm with you, I really enjoyed Saturday, I, I was probably more disappointed with Friday, the Anzac test wasn't exactly uh, a great affair. I wanted to see a contest, and we didn't really get one. And uh, the other one was the Junior Kangaroos game, which I watched. But looking at the squads beforehand, I had a feeling it was going to be heavily lopsided, and it turned out that way. The Kangaroos were up thirty nil at half time. Yeah, it hasn't been a good uh, week for the Kiwis, and I don't mind that at all, to be honest. No, and uh, again, I think the, <laughs> even the ladies are starting to establish some dominance. They've beat the the, the Ferns the last few times. They won sixteen four with Jeez, a pair they of. Good. Yeah, rookie halves and a late call-in with Isabel Kelly, a young girl, replacing the fullback Bremner, who's the star of the side. So um, it was a clean sweep for all the Australian teams. And congratulations to all those Pacific nations. And obviously England, good game. And City Country, as much as I hate to say it for the last one, I thought that was a pretty good game as well. Yeah, it was entertaining. Went down to sort of the last 10 minutes. So, no, it was good. Yeah. And um, those people that like to bag international rugby league, look, it's not probably where we want it to be, but, geez, it's... Miles above where it was even five years ago, so I think we're on the right track. Yeah, I, I have no problem, but I just want it at the end of the year. I don't like stopping the comp. Uh, that's my big issue. I think State of Origin is the only thing I'm willing to stop things for. Um, but overall, like I said, I wasn't super looking forward to it, but I always watch all the footy. I thoroughly enjoyed the round, so good on all those teams and all the players that participated. But, mate, there's a bit cooking this week in the gossip stake, so what do you got for me? There is. I'll start with SKD. Now, he's known for his brain explosions on the field, but it's been well documented he had a brain explosion off the field. Um, although he's claiming that uh, the drugs weren't his, I, w- I won't say that he's, that he's guilty or innocent. We'll just wait for that to play out. But one thing I can tell you is that he's thrown away his Newcastle Knights deal. It was a four-year deal worth 300 k per season. Uh, the Knights have gone, no, thank you. Um... I don't feel sorry for the Knights. I think they've dodged a bullet with SKD. I know they're trying to get not necessarily a marquee player, but they're trying to get somebody over there to uh, entice other players there. But SKD, I don't think, was the right man. But uh, where does he go from here, SKD? Well, I'd tell you what, I know last year, and again, different circumstances, but it was in court. Someone brought that the other day. He's got prize. Well, you can't say he's got prize because he wasn't charged of the, That's right. the assault or whatever was brought up with Nova Paris in that situation. But my big thing that had me kind of dumbfounded is he's sitting there going, well, do the hair follicle test because I didn't take it. But that's not the point. You're in possession of it. That's almost yeah. that, that's a worse situation that you are in possession of the drug in the first place. So you're almost throwing shade on saying, okay, well, if you don't take it, do you sell it? Uh, you know, yeah. Do you have a setup? You, who else are you linked in with? So uh, I'm just more disappointed on that side of things that he's been silly enough to bring that up. But where does he go from here? I think he was already gone from the Roosters regardless of this situation. Yeah. Obviously, right. Newcastle would be one of the only clubs that would have touched him with a 10-foot pole. I'm sure they could get him at a discount rate, but given their circumstances now and the rebuild, they won't touch him with a 10-foot pole and sponsors won't want to bar him. So I'd have to say the only option left, and I'm sure they probably would take him, 
because it's a bit different to the Simona situation would possibly be Super League. But, um, yeah, that contract at Newcastle is gone and I think his NRL options will now be dry. Yeah, a few happy Roosters fans about it too that he's on the way out just quietly. Oh, that doesn't surprise me at all. Most of the stuff I saw the other day wasn't uh, going on about the drugs that were celebrating the fact he's not going to be on the wing this week. So, 100%. Exactly right. Yeah. Um, more disappointed, like I said. There's a lot of... A lot of things and a lot of questions from fans and bits and pieces uh, from early on that I've basically neglected, not to go into great detail until I got Brock here to have a bit more of a back and forth on it all, but a uh, very disappointing weekend. But in his circumstances, a bit older, played plenty of games, didn't have many options, taking into account just general performance, but now off-field behaviour is probably going to cost him his career. Yeah, exactly. All right, mate, one naughty boy to another, uh, Russell Packer. Looks like he's off to the Tigers, mate, to... Um link up with uh, Ivan Cleary once more. Uh, would be a handy pick-up for the Tigers, playing fairly well at the Dragons, I think, Russell Packer. No, mate, Russell Packer has been absolutely outstanding. Uh, I thought last year he didn't have a whole lot of help, and obviously they needed a, a front row or a couple of blokes to help out. Paul Vaughan's obviously stepped in. They've formed a fantastic partnership, and it's just made him go from strength to strength. Most consistent player, along with Armour last year. He's been fantastic this year. Got his New Zealand jersey back. Um, the other night, and what what can you say? He's definitely uh, trying to make up for lost time. Uh, again, unfortunately, a check had passed off the field, but I think the big thing to take into account here, I don't know his off-field position, but I don't know um, if everything that happened is settled out of court or whether he faces um, you know, any kind of payouts or anything with the bloke that his incident happened with, but I'm not trying to you know, be crook on this situation, but I'm sure he'll be looking for the biggest deal possible given the time that he missed off the field. So if the Tigers, I'm hearing, are making a bigger offer and, and an extra year on top, I'm sure that's appealing. I'm sure his ex-coach, Ivan Cleary, is appealing and obviously Ben Madalino, who he's apparently pretty close with from his Warriors ties. So um, that would be a great buy by the Tigers, I think. Yeah, win-win for everybody in that scenario, I think. Yeah, 100%. All right, back to Newcastle. Um, they're after a hooker, and it looks like they might have just snared Mitch Rain. We've been speaking about Mitch Rain probably for the past four or five weeks since the comp started. He's at Penrith, can't get a run in first grade. He asked for a release, they said no. Uh, he asked for a release again, and they said yes. He said, okay, I'll get a Parramatta. Parramatta said yes, and they said no. I think he's getting stuffed around a little bit, so he's gone to Nathan Brown. Brown, he's keen, so we could see Mitch Rain in Newcastle, hopefully this year, or if not next. Yeah, well, that doesn't surprise me. I've said it before, and I know plenty of people out there, you know, they get a bit, bit angry about it, saying he's not a first-grade hooker, but he is a first-grade hooker. Um, as much, again, as McGregor's turned things around this year, last year he had the vision that he was going to have a ball-playing fullback in Kurt Mann, a ball-playing nine in Mitch Rain, and two five-eights who couldn't organise a route in a brothel in Whitop and <laughs> Benji Marshall all run this beautiful creative system, but... In natural fact, he had a ball-running fullback, two ball-running halves, and a ball-running nine, who's a great defender. He's not a creative dummy half. Um, he'd play well behind a big pack. Obviously, Newcastle's a hard place to be heading, and I'm still dumbfounded that Penrith haven't put him on the bench to help out Peter Wallace, who has been great but has taken an absolute battering and is at the latter stages of his career. So um, I think the Parramatta thing came down to money, and that's obviously what cost him his spot at the Dragons. But is Mitch Rain a first-grade hooker? 100% is. Of course he is. Of course he is. And I, I think he'll fit in well with Newcastle. He's a bit of a lad, Mitch Rain. Uh, one of the best trainers, too, apparently. W- works pretty hard. And as you said, a, a top defender. He's not going to set the world alight with attack. But, uh, yeah, I think a, a good pick-up for Newcastle. 
hundred percent. And he probably suits their culture. He's a he's a grinder. He makes his tackles yeah. when there's one marker. He runs the football. He's not a ball player. He's not super uh, creative, but. Plenty of uh, games left in Mitch Rain, and again, I'm, I'm still surprised that Penrith are willing to let him go, and it's not a position in the NRL that has a whole lot of depth that we know. Looking around, that there's not a lot of good number nine, so if they can have Danny Levi developing and obviously pick up someone with Mitch Rain's experience who's been in the team of the week in the New South Wales Cup four or five times already this year, I think that's a great pickup, and we all know you need depth in key positions, so I can't blame Newcastle for talking to him. Yep. This next one, I'd love Boxhead to be here to get his opinion on this, but um, looks like Ricky Latelli, the Shark Centre, is off to the Titans for family reasons. I believe his wife had another baby, so that's where he's headed. Good pickup from the Titans, I believe. Yeah, well, I agree with you there, just depending on the money side of things. He's obviously involved in that Sharks Premiership winning side. Uh, spent a few years before that kind of coming in and out, but always been a solid player. But yeah, I think that's a good buy. Uh, he's been really, really good. The last couple of years, you know what you're going to get every single week from Ricky Latelli. So, again, for them, just trying to shore things up and improve their squad, I don't think that's a bad buy at all, just depending on uh, the amount of money they've paid for him, obviously. Yeah, it could be a good week for the Titans. I'm hearing Hayne and Pete are also going to stay. So, could uh, Boxhead might keep his remotes intact this week. Yeah, well, I don't know if he'd be too happy about the Hayne one. Uh, <laughs> But Nathan Peets, I just mentioned it before, we all agreed last week, me and you agree obviously this week again, that hooker's just not a position that has a whole lot of depth at this point in time. So um, they may have to pay a little bit more, but there's not enough nines out there. And the word was after that, that if Nathan Peets walked, their next option was Michael Leisha, and I know who I'd prefer. So, 100%. Yeah, Leisha really hasn't set the world on fire at all. They all talked him up when he was at Cronulla, come to the Bulldogs and really hasn't done much at all. Set the world alight in New South Wales Cup, but... Uh, hasn't really done much in first grade. Yeah, 100%. So I, I can understand that one. The Hayne one, if he keeps playing the way he does and blends in a bit more, it'd be you know a, a great buy on potential. But just all the stuff you hear off field, whether you can believe it or not, we all know that paper talks one thing and sometimes it's hearsay, but a bit of a divide between apparently him, Neil Henry, the way things happen, and it's rubbed off on the players between all of them and caused a bit of friction. I'm not too sure, but if they can get the best out of him, uh, he's an absolute superstar. So let's hope that Jared Hayne does settle in and they don't butt heads as much and he keeps playing the way he has the last two weeks before the rep break. I don't think there's much difference between Neil Henry and Brad Arthur. So if he went to Parramatta, I think he'd be clashing heads with anyone. Let's be, let's put it fair, you know? Oh, 100%. I think it's just his personality is a bit larger than life, yeah. but um, we all know and we've all said it before, rugby league's a team sport. No one's bigger than the team, so... Um, that's suppose the unfortunate thing in this situation is if Neil Henry didn't want him and the club didn't want him, they don't have to say anyway because the player option's in Haynes' favour. So uh, he holds all the chips, he has all the power in this situation. So interesting to see what happens there. Yeah. All right, mate, one that uh, I've been tweeted a hundred times a day by Rabbitohs fans, the rumour's getting bigger and bigger and bigger that Latrell Mitchell could end up at Bradford as early as next season would be a big pick-up for them. Obviously, uh, look, English not getting any younger. His knees are absolutely gone. So it would be a handy replacement for GI, I think. Um, look, he's had his problems at the Roosters. Uh, but, yeah, wow, he, I think he would look good in the Bunnies jersey. Yeah, well, it'd be funny, the clone basically playing next to the real deal yeah. in GI. And uh, you look at them, man, Brock basically said it last episode, and I'm pretty sure we spoke to you about it and you agreed. That it's time to blow that up. They've got some dead wood in there. Uh, they've got some ideas with their style of play that needs to change. They've got a few key players locked up, but your players like your Dave Tyrrells, your Jason Clarks, 
Uh, they're obviously invested heavily in the two Burgesses. They need to get those two playing well because I don't think they could move them on, but um, they need some fresh blood in there. Latrell Mitchell, people ask, is he the real deal? He is the real deal, but we've seen this before. Yeah. There's one thing to have the talent. It's another thing to get the first grade, be consistent, and develop it week to week. And uh, He's a young country lad. Most of the off-field stuff hasn't been anything with him breaking any rules or having any troubles. It's just dealing with the stress and the pressure and the expectation of the week-to-week of being an NRL player. So um, yeah. they've let the him go back. Him in, yeah. yeah they've, Sorry, the Roosters are wrapping him in cotton wool because they believe in the kid. Yeah, 100%. So uh, whether they're willing to let him go or not, I'm not sure. But given this situation where Ferguson's probably going to be going to want to get paid, uh, Kenny Dow might yeah. be on the outer, and I'm hearing Tupo's on the outer. I think the Roosters would be crazy to let him walk. I'd be... You've got to remember, this is a kid that's 20 years old. Like Last year, people were bagging yeah. him, saying he's not having enough of an impact. There was a struggling side missing three of the four spine from the previous year and their two best forwards in Rhea Hargraves and Cordner, and it's an 18-year-old yeah. playing fullback. So, um, that's right. He came, came in, if anything, too early, uh, but he's learned his trade, I guess. Yeah, 100%. He's, he's had a bit of a rough run, and he's trying to get himself together mentally, but I think the Roosters would be crazy to let him go and... Next year, I'd be happy to see the back of Tupo, Kenny Dowell, and possibly Ferguson. And Manu's done a great job. Latrell Mitchell, I think, is definitely going to have to uh, you know, be the future for them. And they've got two of us, a Sheck's brother, and might need to sign Gordon on the cheap if they're going to accommodate Tedesco as well. But if he went to Redfern and I'm a South fan, I'm absolutely ecstatic because I'd be really surprised if Robinson and the Roosters were willing to let him go. Yep, I agree. All right, mate. I know I'm a little bit excited that uh, it's unfortunate for JT, but it looks like he might miss Origin. And the Cowboys are in panic stations at the moment, and it looks like they want Lola here. They want him in five minutes. They want him tomorrow, but then he may SAP. So Lola here to the Cowboys. They're doing anything and everything to get him right now. Well, I'll tell you what, when you uh, sent this to me earlier, I have alarm bells ringing on the flip side of not only was this supposed to be his last year of rep football, then next year was complete and utter focus on obviously finishing up with the Cowboys. But if they're that desperate to take a player of lowly his standard, and I'm pretty sure whether he hasn't been in great or not, it's a 22-year-old who's played 50-plus games in multiple positions. He's not going to come cheap. They're already struggling to juggle their salary cap. And this feels like a move not just for this year, but for long term. Like this, not saying it's the end of Jonathan Thurston, but this kind of rings some alarm bells for me that maybe they're, they're a bit worried that this is going to be longer than just a couple of weeks. Let's hope not. Let's hope not. Let's hope that it's just for for twelve months. But I hear you. It's it's alarming. Yeah, um, this is I, not your typical yeah. pickup of somebody who's on the rocks or undervalued. This is a guy who's going to demand a decent whack of money. And like I said, they've been trying to tie up most of their squad, and they've got some young guys they still haven't signed up. So if you're going to make a play for somebody like Lola here, who's not going to come cheaply, uh, I've yeah. got a bit more of an inkling this is more than just a four week injury. That's what they're talking about. That's right. And you, look, you don't want to get into a bidding war with the West Tigers who have plenty of cash because they've let all those players go. Well, not that they've let them go, but they've gone. So not a, not a good club to get a bidding war with the West Tigers either. No, and the other thing you don't want to do is be reactionary. So I like yeah. Lola here as well, but I still want to see more of him. Uh, obviously, a season or two consistently in first grade. Is there uh, a lack of effort over at the Warriors? I'm not too sure. I like what I've seen. He's been shuffled around in multiple positions, so I'm going to give him benefit of the doubt, but... Um, this, you don't want to be too reactionary in a situation like this and spend too much money on somebody um, that you're still yet to get a full sample size of. Yeah, he's, he's a big ball runner, isn't he? He's, he's nothing really like JT, to be fair. 
No, well, it's basically him and Morgan uh, a bit similar. He's probably got a little more ad-lib him uh, than Morgan, a little more creativity, but you're not really solving the problem, which they've got at the moment, which is a game manager, someone to steer the side around, somebody to do the kicking. And uh, Asiata, full credit to him, he's got the a good skill set, but he's definitely not number seven, even though he threw his hand up to try and play there this week. So um, yeah. this seems a bit uh, reactionary for me to try and snag Lola here when they've already got Thompson... Young Labert on their books. Cooper Bambling's another young kid. They've got so many already on the books. This seems really panic stations for me and the Cowboys. Let's hope not. 100%, mate. Is that uh, everything or anything else cooking? That's, no, that's it for this week, mate. Well, there you go. Fair bit in the pipeline for everybody out there. Uh, fair bit of news going on and tips, like I said last week. Perfect round for you. You got all five of the games uh, that we did tip. We obviously didn't tip the ladies' game and we did not tip the Junior Kangaroos game, but all the other five uh, games we did tip. So you're on 50 now, I'm on 45, and Boxhead, he is on 43. Bit of a gap to make up there, but our tips for this week, as always, brought to you by WilliamHill.com. If you're going to have a bet on the NRL or any sport, make sure you do it with WilliamHill.com. Stop living in the fast, uh, in the past, sorry, not in the fast, with all the other betting agencies. Bet live on your phone and get on board with William Hill. Dot com Kicking things off, mate, this week, Thursday night. We obviously have the Cowboys, who we spoke about before. They are up against the Doggies. Um, there's some things to take into account here. Obviously, with players missing, Josh Reynolds out for five weeks. So, Frawley will finally start with them by on the Cowboys side of things. Granville back. Uh, Lachlan Coote back into the fold. Ray Thompson pushes in to the halves. This one is very, very hard to pick. I'm going to be going the Bulldogs. Uh, I still think more so the half situation worries me for the Cowboys. And, yeah, I, as much as I don't really like the Bulldogs, I think they can make it ugly in the forwards, and that's another struggle that uh, the Cowboys have obviously had since Scott's gone down. It's been Tamalolo taking that carry one and not having quite the impact he has had on the game. So I'm going to go with the Dogs, but I don't have a whole lot of confidence. Yeah, the Cowboys haven't even strung 10, 10 good minutes together for, for a while. Uh, the Bulldogs, I think they're good with Frawley. I think they're, I think he's a better um, acquisition to the team than Reynolds. I think Reynolds out really, for me, doesn't <laughs> doesn't change too much. I'm not a huge fan of Reynolds. I know he's got a big heart and he's a tough character, but um, Frawley in there, I like the kid. I think the Bulldogs. Yeah, well, we've both gone the Doggies. Brock is on the Cowboys. I, I had a look through the lineups and I can kind of get where he's going with some of the spine players, but the way their forward pack's been struggling, as much as I don't like the Bulldogs attack, I think they can make things ugly enough with the pack, that's for sure. And William Hill, the bookies agree there. A dollar fifty eight for the dogs, two forty the cows, minus four is the line, one to twelve dogs, two ninety, three seventy five for the cows, thirteen plus dogs, three fifteen, and six for the cows. Friday night, Dragons, Sharkies, the rivalry game, bit of a clash. Josh Dugan obviously gonna be out for a couple of weeks. He has that fractured cheekbone or actually being confirmed that it's not fractured, possibly missing three weeks. So, better result for them. But Nightingale moves back to fullback. Tane Milne onto the wing. Everything else is basically the same. And Field, Jai Field, the young half, he joins the bench. On the Shark side of things, Luke Lewis returns. Tony Williams out and ACL gone. So, possibly yep. the end of Big T-Rex's career. But I think this one's pretty straightforward. It may be a home game for the Dragons. Um, but why the halves are Kurt Mann and Josh McCrone? As much as I like the forward pack, I can't tip aside that's being led around by McCrone and Mann. So I'm going the Sharks. Yeah, Dragons will be their third loss in a row. The Sharks will win. Yep, and Brock, he's obviously on the Sharks as well for similar reasons, and the bookies agree. At William Hill, $1.36 for Cronulla, 
320. The Dragons minus seven and a half is a line. One to twelve Sharks three dollars. Four forty for the Dragons. Thirteen plus Sharkies two forty eight dollars uh, for the Dragons. The second Friday night game. It is the Tigers versus South. Obviously shellac them round one. The old Tigers. A fair bit has changed since then. Aaron Woods is obviously going to be out. This week, so Suaso Sue pushes up into starting position. Joel Edwards is in the lineup as well, and JJ Felice, the big unit, joins the bench. Um, looking at this side, Tedesco back on board. Brooks been playing a bit better since Cleary's come in, but on the flip side of that for South, Robert Jennings is out. Braden Burns comes back in, and Aaron Gray has been named on an extended bench. Other than that, uh, things pretty straightforward to them. Kyle Turner's still in the front row while George is suspended. And Adam Reynolds, hopefully healthy after the break, has been held together by duct tape this year. So, a bit interesting. Um, I really wanted to tip Souths for this one, but I couldn't bring myself to do it. I don't have, again, much faith in the Tigers, but since Cleary's taken over, I've seen more effort. I've seen some better signs. Souths, this is a real crossroads game for me. Uh, Wouldn't surprise me if they came out firing, but I'm going to stick with Ivan Cleary and the Tigers. Yeah, absolutely massive game for Souths. Other than tennis, they've probably been the most disappointing team. For me, uh, especially the way South played towards the back end of last season, I, I actually tipped them for the eight. But they've been playing terribly. I know they've, they've had injury, but uh, wow, they've they've been terrible. I think if they lose uh, this week on Friday night, I think I'll put a, a line through them, mate. That's how serious I think the game is. I'm going to tip the Tigers, but geez, Bunny, you, you better pull your finger out. Yeah, well, 100%. Yeah, it hasn't been a whole lot of life there in the last game against Manly. Didn't give uh, me too much hope that things were going to turn around. Let's hope the rep break has reinvigorated things and they hopefully come back and make a better effort. But, uh, yeah, even the Tigers under duress, they've been really, really tough since Cleary's been in. Things have turned around attitude-wise, so going to stick with them with not a lot of faith. But that's a hard one to tip. There's no doubt about it. And the Tigers, they're outsiders with William Hill, but close this one. $2 for the Tigers, $1.82. Souths minus 1.5 is the line. 1 to 12 Tigers 3.20 and 3.10 for Souths. 13 plus Tigers 4.60 and $4 for Souths. Super Saturday, the old favourite. It's back, the triple header. Your Penny Panthers, mate. They kick things <laughs> off first up with the New Zealand Warriors, who showed some good form heading into the break. Uh, will uh, the break have stunted things or any damage confidence after a lot of them played in that international game? I am not sure. Uh, some of the Penrith players, not too bad during uh, those rep games. And obviously, Fisher-Harris returns this week and an extended bench with Tamari martin Kakao, who I still don't know how he can't get a run over Tim Brown uh, and Peachy back on the bench again. On the Warriors side of things, Manu Vatuvai joins an extended bench and Solomoni Kata comes back in. Look, I think Penrith will show a lot more this week at home, but I'm going to have to stick with the Warriors, given their efforts against Melbourne and the win against the Roosters. Has the break hindered things? I'm not too sure, but I said it before we went away a couple of weeks ago. I can't sit Penrith until they show me something, so uh, I'll have to stick yeah, with the Warriors. I, yeah, I haven't tipped Penrith in over a month, but I'm a dumbo. I'm going to do. I'm going to tip Penrith, um, only because, like you said, a lot of their players had, had runs in in the rep rounds, and the majority of them played well. I'm bewildered at some of the selections that, that Hook keeps on making. I'm, I don't understand why Tyrone Peach is coming off the bench. He was, I thought, the best player for City. Um, I thought Cartwright was probably the worst player for City, but he's starting at six. I'd rather have him on the bench, if anything. Terrible decisions from Hook, I think, but I'm going to give the Panthers a shot. Uh, if they lose this one, then they are gone. They are completely toasted to lose this one. Yep, well, that's a reason why I'm not surprised you're tipping them, and it almost pushed me to tip them again. I thought this is 
a couple of weeks ago I thought was make and break against the Broncos, but this is definitely getting to that point now. But they are the favourites. $1.75 the Panthers with William Hill, two ten for the Warriors, minus two as a line. One to twelve Panthers, three dollars, three fifty for the Warriors, thirteen plus Panthers, three sixty five dollars for the Warriors. Now, the first of the double header on Super Saturday up there at Suncourt Stadium has the Melbourne Storm versus the Titans. So both play uh, both teams missing a New Zealand international, Kevin Proctor, Jesse Bromwich obviously missing from this one after the cocaine incident on the weekend. Uh, looking at these two lineups though. I know Parramatta, oh sorry, not Parramatta. The Gold Coast Titans are starting to get some players back in to their side. Uh, Dale Copley returns, Eddie Pettibourne has returned, uh, Polatoni Pettiru, so they've got a bit more options as far as depth is concerned. But let's be honest, Melbourne, they've missed Bromwich a couple of times with a thumb. Uh, he had a back injury. Tohu Harris has returned on the bench, and prior to that, they've been ridiculously strong, regardless of who's been on the field. So... Um, this isn't really an away game for Melbourne either. When they go to Suncorp, having those few guys at play for Queensland, they obviously draw a crowd up there and they're quite comfortable with it. So uh, I don't think that deters anything, and I'm very happy to tip Melbourne. Yeah, massive fan base uh, the Storm have um, up in Queensland for obvious reasons. Um, they'll win, but uh, Titans will give them a run for their money. That definitely wouldn't surprise me. I agree with you wholeheartedly. They always have a dig, and Brock is on the Storm. Obviously, the game before, I forgot to say, he is on the Warriors as well. Obviously, he's had a big rap on them. He's been pushing them up in his power rankings. But the Storm, they're thirty-six favourites with William Hill. Three twenty for the Titans, minus eight is a line. One to twelve Storm, three dollars four forty Titans. Thirteen plus Storm, two forty eight dollars Titans. And the second game up there, the Broncos, obviously home to Manly, which is their home game. Uh, Manly have been quite impressive, and I didn't expect mm. what we've seen. They're really hunting as a pack when they have their full-strength side on the field. I, I think they're kind of a bit of the overachievers. I think they've got a really good spine, but I didn't expect um, Curtis Sirenen to be playing well, which I think he is. I think Frank Winterstein's done a good job. Marty Tapao's been more consistent. Brent Lawrence, when he's healthy, uh, such a good player, and I'd really like to think that maybe the Tigers would even look at bringing him over if Manly are not interested, because I think he's a great player. And Brisbane... They've won a lot of close games. I'm not denying the fact that they're a top eight side, possibly top four, but I still need to see more. Roberts is on an extended bench here, uh, still without Ben Hunt. So I don't know how I've kind of talked myself into this, but I'm I'm going to. When Manly are away, they always seem to win. They play really well when they're away. I liked what I've seen. Uh, I'm going to tip Manly for the upset. Yeah, look, that's a a good tip. Manly are full of confidence. If there's one team in the comp that you don't want to be playing in the sweep, Manly are full of confidence, young kids. Well, I'm going to stick with the Broncos, uh, but if Manly can knock over the Broncos up there, then I think these kids are the real deal. Yeah, well, depth is the main issue, but uh, when they've got this close to full-strength squad, the Trebojevic's have been outstanding. Uh, Walker, as much as it pains me to say, because he carries on like a peanut, he's been playing good. They get plenty out of their back uh, five as far as yardage. Brian Kelly's been a great buy. Um, Brett Lawrence, like I said, coming back, having a real good dig in the back row of Sirian and Winnerstein. I wasn't a big fan of, but uh, they're proving me wrong. So hopefully Brisbane step up to the plate. They keep winning, but just yet to see them kind of put together a full performance. Brock, he's stuck with the Broncos, uh, and they are the favourites. $1.64 with William Hill, two thirty for Manly. Minus 3.5 is the line for this game. 1-12 to 12 Broncos, $3.350 Manly. 13 plus Brisbane is 340-550 Manly. Poor old Newcastle on Sunday. Uh, they're up against the Raiders. I think this one's pretty obvious. The Raiders are missing Papali. Very convenient that he gets stood down for this one game, obviously, where it doesn't have a big effect. 
they've been playing quite poor, but they really need to win, and I expect them to. So uh, I'll definitely be sticking with the Canberra Raiders. But uh, on the flip side of this, Trent Hodkinson, he's on an extended bench, possibly going to return. But, yeah, it's kind of hard to tip Newcastle. You know what you're going to get every week. It's a wholehearted effort, but just not the quality on the field to be able to close out some of these games. So you'd really expect Canberra to turn up this week and want to put them to the sword. Yeah, it's a game traditionally uh, that the Raiders would lose. They they seem to win the big ones and lose the little ones. Um, look, I was going to tip the Raiders, but uh, get on Mason Ross, the first draft guy. Yeah, well, I tell you what, last year, for as dominant as Canberra were, I'm pretty sure they went to Golden Point twice and had to steal victories yeah. off Newcastle. So um, they've definitely given them trouble, and the bookies... They're not reflecting that. It's a dollar twenty with William Hill for the Raiders. Four sixty Newcastle minus fourteen is the line. One to twelve Raiders three twenty six dollars Knights thirteen plus Raiders dollar seventy five fifteen for the Knights. In the last game of the round, it is the Roosters versus the Eels. Kenny Dow out. Uh, you got Latrell Mitchell back in the centres there with Joseph Marner, who's been in good form. Other than that, uh, the only changes there. Guerra goes back to the bench. Orbison moves back into the back row. Outstanding side, the Roosters, and close to full strength again. Uh, the only bloke missing by the looks of things. Well, actually, I don't think there's anyone missing anymore. All the forward packs back. Evans, yeah. Napa, Tedovano been in good form. Uh, on the flip side, Bevan French is an extended bench for the Parramatta Eels, who have otherwise been pretty good heading into that break, grabbing three wins. Will Smith, I thought, was pretty good at number six and is a better solution than playing Kenny Edwards or these other guys there. But uh, I'm going to go the Roosters for the bounce back uh, after a tough loss just before the break. And I think they've got a lot to live up to after, uh, obviously, the incident on the weekend. They want to have a big response. So I'm going to stick with the Roosters. Yeah, I don't know if it's an upset necessarily. It might be a little bit with the bookies, but I'm going to tip the Eels. Um, I like the way they've been playing, and I think they'll pick the Roosters in a close one. That'll be a good game. Well, they played some good footy heading into the break. Let's see if they can continue it. Brock, he's on the Roosters as well. And uh, the odds, they are the favourites with William Hill, $1.50, $2.62 for Parramatta. So a bit of value for you there, Gossip. Minus five and a half is the line. One to 12 Roosters, $3.375. Para, uh, 13 plus the Chooks, two ninety, And for Para, 13 plus, six fifty. But that wraps us up there. So Brock's gone solo on the Cowboys, you've gone solo on the Panthers, I'm solo on the Eagles, and then the Eels game, you're solo. So a chance for you to pick two more up, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how we go, see if the fluke continues. Oh, I don't know if it's the fluke, mate. I think you've got some kind of lab in that man cave that you're not telling me about. <laughs> oh, well, you guys might have to come up, we'll do our tips on the man cave. Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to introduce your new segment, which was uh, your goose of the week, but I think there's too many to name this week, so I think we might have to push it back and wait till uh, we see some NRL performances and the possibility of you picking out Kyle Feld or someone again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, my goose of the week this week is definitely Sean Kenny Dow. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, you could have picked him. Bromwich Proctor, there's a whole heap of them. Damien Keogh, and then yeah. there was a young 20s player named again last night. So plenty of gooses. Unfortunately, not the kind we're hoping for. Looking for a bit more light-hearted on-field kind of stuff, but a bit of a rough weekend. Let's hope we can stay out of the headlines and get back in them for the right reasons. God bless the fact that the normal NRL competition is back this weekend. And, mate, fingers crossed that the Penny Panthers can finally put their season on track for you and hopefully start a bit of a run. Fingers crossed, mate. Uh, I'll be cheering as always and might even go through a couple of remote. Boxhead style. That's the way. In memory of Brock not being here, everybody out there, we've had uh, all these different bits and pieces and hashtags. Let's have smash your emotes. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I'll, 
I'll start that over the weekend. You beauty. That's it. No worries, mate. Have a good one, and we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Pleasure as always. Thanks, mate. See you, champion. And that wraps it up for this week on the fifth and last NRL podcast. Sorry again. Uh, it's been a bit of a difficult week. Like I said, we had work restraints, a bit of family stuff going on. So obviously no Brock this week. Uh, things a bit disjointed. Hopefully not to have a punished listen to me jibber on my own, but we want to make sure that we deliver a show when we'll be back to normal next week. Lewis and Brock back on deck. But for now, uh, everybody, make sure you enjoy your week and you enjoy your rugby league. Stick with us. Keep listening. We really appreciate everyone, all your feedback. If you've got any questions, if I don't answer them tonight or I see them a bit later, I'll try to reply to them. And looking forward to the NRL returning to us this week. Fifth and last on iTunes, rate, review us. Feel free to message us anytime. Ask us questions, any feedback about the show. It is much appreciated. But back next week, Brock and Lewis. Enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where you, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.